You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Welcome. Hopefully, uh, if you're new here, we're glad you're here this morning. You know, we've been kind of doing a series, and we're going to jump in a little bit of that. We started the year talking about joy, really believing that this is going to be a year where we experience the promises that God has despite the circumstances of our external lives. Because too often we're controlled by what is happening just externally around us rather than what we know God can deposit internally in us. And so that kind of first part of the, of the year, just you know, the first five weeks, we talked about joy. And what does it look like for us to have joy despite whatever's happening around us? And, and moving into this idea of Fruit in our lives, I've been talking about this, and we're supposed to be fruitful people the last couple of weeks. We, you know, I shared out of Genesis and John and, uh, you know, a few places, talking about us being called to produce fruit. And one of the, the things, and I'm going to kind of get into this today, is uh, reminding you that we produce fruit after what we're like, right? You can't produce something uh, in another person or even in your life unless God's really produced that thing in you first. And regardless of whether we think we're leading people, we're leading people. And I think the choice, and I actually believe we're fruitful people no matter what is happening in life. Whether we're following Christ or not following God or, or doing good things or doing bad things. At the end of the day, we're producing fruit somewhere. It just depends on the kind of fruit we want to produce. And so, you know, we're kind of coming up to a season where we're going to begin to talk about Easter, right? It's coming up in April. And there's a lot of stuff that leads up to, to the, you know, season of just remembering what Christ did on the cross. You know, we have uh, the Palm Sunday, and then we always have a Good Friday service. And, and then Sunday, we celebrate Easter. And, you know, if you come from any kind of traditional background, a lot of traditions, uh, you know, celebrate Lent. It's the 40 days leading up to uh, Jesus' death on the cross. And, and Lent, if you don't know what Lent is really about, it's actually a moment where they take these 40 days. So if you know the story of Jesus, he, he gets baptized in the river, and, and God kind of, the heavens open, speaks over him, but then he gets led into the wilderness right after that moment. And 40 days is supposed to kind of represent this time of what Jesus experienced in the wilderness, but as Christians, it's kind of this moment where we're supposed to take an evaluation of who we are. An evaluation of what our lives look like. And are we actually living the life that God designed us to live for what he paid for on the cross? And we're actually going to kind of participate in that theme as we, as we lead to Easter. And, and part of it was why I started this conversation of fruit and this idea that we're called to be fruitful people. We're called to produce things within us and through us. But it really matters what kind of fruit we're producing. And if we want to be actual Christ followers or people who follow Jesus' ways, we have to base our fruit on how Jesus lived. We have to know what he was like. And, you know, I read constantly out of the Gospels. Just being honest, I read them more. I, I've read the whole Bible many times through. And I, but I live in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the reason I, I tend to live there, I read every single day out of the Gospels. And the reason is because at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before a guy named Jesus, and I want to know if I lived like he wanted me to. 
You know who stands behind him to judge us? Nobody. Jesus is the only judge of the fruitfulness of our lives. And I want to stand in front of him and, and in a sense say, I did my best to follow his way. That's what Christ followers are supposed to be like. Sometimes we've turned Christians into not Christ followers, but rather religious activity members. And so we get caught up in tradition rather than just simply saying, what did Jesus really call us to live like, look like, and be like? And that's the fruit that he calls us to be, first within us and then through us. And so today, I'm going to kind of, it feels rudimentary what I'm about to talk about. But honestly, without the right soil, you don't get good fruit. And I feel like today's message, if we want to see fruit first produced within us, we have to understand the soil in which God wants our lives to be. The stuff in which every other thing comes out of. And the simple answer to that, and it sounds cheesy and cliche and all that, is love. At the end of the day, if we produce fruit aside from love, we have not produced the fruit Jesus wants us to produce. And so we have to get this in our core, in, in everything we believe when we, when we say we're Christ followers. Because when we look at Jesus' words, he funnels everything down to this narrow understanding and this narrow way of thinking, but it all revolves around love. You know, people have often said Christianity is narrow, and I would just say it absolutely is. It's a very narrow way of thinking. But what's not true about Christianity is it's not exclusive. Because when you look at the love that Jesus showed the world, it's extremely inclusive to every human, every person, every being. But we have tended to narrow it down and think it's just for some people. Or it's just for those who look right, act right, act right and live right. Yet the first thing that has to happen within us, if we want to look right, act like it, act right, and live right, if we want those things to be true, which they should be true, it has to come first from a basis of the love of God being in our life. Nothing else will work. We could till the soil as much as we want, but if it's not growing out of love, our fruit will look withered, worn, tired, and it probably won't taste too good. So I want to start in this couple scriptures just to set it up and then get into um, a few scriptures where we see Jesus or we see the scriptures telling us about love. So John 13, this is Jesus speaking, kind of the beginning, John 12, 13, he's talking to his disciples, some of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible, I believe. Um, John 13, verse 34, Jesus says this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. So listen, this is a big deal. Because the, the Jews were all about commandments and laws. And for him to use this language, I'm giving you a new commandment, would have been a, a big deal for anybody to listen to. They would have been like, wait, what, a new one? We already got 618. And so he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. And then he says this, love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. 
you know, before that, Jesus had answered multiple religious questions, you know, that were posed at him. And he would often say, you know, in Matthew 5, he says, all the, all the law and the prophets is summed up in this. Love the Lord with your, or love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. And, and those were two commandments in the law. And so people understood them as these high commandments. And we see a story of a, a rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and and says, hey, you know, what must I do to be saved? And, and Jesus says, have you obeyed the commandments? Have you obeyed the law? And the rich young ruler says, oh, yeah, I've done all those things. And, and you know, Jesus kind of challenges him to sell his possessions. But he asks two questions. He says, oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. Love your neighbor. We see it multiple times where Jesus says those two things. But we come to this statement. And not that Jesus disregards those other two, but he says, I'm giving you a new one that's a little bit different. And it isn't love your neighbor as yourself anymore. It's love each other as I have loved you. You see, the truth is when you say love your neighbor as yourself, if we're, most of us are honest, we probably don't love ourselves all that well. And even the little inklings of love that we do give to ourselves are really mostly just selfishly based. And so Jesus turns this on a dime and he says, no, now I want you to love like I've loved you. Now you've seen it for a while, right? This is John 13. We're, we're three, three and a half years into his ministry here. And they've walked with him for years now. And he's saying, now that you've seen how I live and how I act... I want you to do the same things. I want you to love like I've loved. And then he goes on to qualify why, which is important. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You know, too often in history, there's been, there's been many famous historical figures that have looked at Christianity and Christians and have made statements. One of them is from... Mahatma Gandhi, who actually says, I love your Christ, I just don't like your Christians. And when those statements unfortunately become accurate, we have to say there's a problem. Because when someone takes a real look at Jesus, they would look at him and go, man, I like this guy, but you're supposed to be like him? Are you sure? And when that doesn't line up, we have to take a serious evaluation. And even as we lead up to Easter, like, and we talk about what happened on the cross and what Jesus paid for, but there's still a place where, you know, and, and I love God's grace, but grace never lets you stay the same. In fact, love always changes you. Anybody married in here? It changes you. And it should. You know, we, I've sat with married couples at times, and, and sometimes I'll hear statements like, oh, they've changed. And I always go... They're supposed to. Trust me, you don't want the guy you were dating who didn't live in your house. You want somebody new. It doesn't mean that we stop being ourselves or what God designed us to be, but love is supposed to change us. It transforms us. And when we come into contact with Jesus' love, it's supposed to transform us. It's not just something that's like, oh, that's nice, I'll put it in my pocket for when I need it. No, it changes everything about who we are. We can't remain the same when we come into contact with that kind of love. And it's why there's this kind of fight in Christianity 
that happens. And I, I, I talk to people that end up in these camps all the time. You know, I'll talk to someone who's like, oh, Jesus is love, God is love, and everything is love, and it's so wonderful. And, you know, he's never going to pressure you to change. I'm like, I don't think you know the God I know. (laughs) He's going to pressure you. In fact, it's going to hurt. That's going to be slightly painful. And then you get people on the other side, that the truth, the truth camp, right? And they're like, oh, no, everything's about truth. Everything's about right and wrong. We have to be black and white. We've got to make sure that everybody over here knows how wrong they've been. And both sides are wrong. You know, there's a scripture in Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians 5. And it says, speak the truth in love. And when I look at the, that statement, and if you actually pull it apart a little bit, this whole in thing really matters. It's not, it doesn't say speak the truth and love. It says speak the truth in love. They live together. They can't be separated. I love it because, you know, at one point Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Another point where it says, I am love. He's both. And Christianity is supposed to live together in that place. There's not a fight between whether we're, we're calling people to a place where God wants to transform them or we're just teaching about love. No, love transforms us. Grace transforms us. And if it doesn't, we're going to read by the end of this message, you might not have experienced love. And so John, John, you know, records Jesus saying, love each other just as I have loved you. Why? So that the world will, or so that you will prove to the world you're my disciples. So that people will actually see, oh, you are an actual follower of Jesus, not just a Christian. You look like Jesus. Maybe you don't even look like the Christians I've once known. In fact, I love the, the compliments that we get where people come in here and go, this is a church? I'm like, score. Because I don't want people to come in here with all the constructs of religion and church and Christianity that have honestly not done great and come in here and just expect we're going to be just like everyone else. I love when people are a little confused by us. Because we have to be different than what we've done if we want to be successful in the kingdom of God. we got to look like Jesus at the end of the day. John 15, just a couple chapters later. Jesus is kind of repeating himself, honestly, quite a few times in these chapters. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using using my name. This is my command. Love each other. I have, I have called you to go and produce lasting fruit. And it's, it's synonymous in these moments with where Jesus has, you know, he's speaking to his disciples. It's synonymous with the commandments he's giving them. And those commandments at that moment are love each other as I've loved you. The fruit that we need to produce within us and then through us in the world has to be based in the love of God. And there's two parts to that love that really matter. First, it has to be experienced love. There's no conceptual way to just know about love in a distance. We watch movies about it. 
we read stories about it. We, we watch, you know, all the stuff in Hollywood going on and the, the love stories or the dating stories. And we see those things from a distance. But the truth is you can't know that love until you experience it with someone else. You know, I remember asking my dad. I was like 19 years old. And uh, we were out to dinner. I don't, I, it was just me and my dad, which wasn't, didn't happen a ton. But we were out to dinner, and I asked my dad, Dad, how am I going to know when the right person comes along? And my dad gave me the best answer, but it was just so lame at the time. <laughs> he said, oh, you'll know. I'm like, wow, thanks, Dad. Wise advice. <laughs> you'll know. And I was like, kind of probably gave him a weird look. And he just said, it'll be different than every other time. And I realized when I met Jess, something was different. That's the same kind of experience we're supposed to have with Christ. And I actually believe that's the experience that I pray for people when they walk in our churches. That something's different than maybe the last place. That the people here are a little bit different than the last one. It's not something you can grab right hold of and say, oh, this is why it's different. But something's different. Something's real. It feels right. It feels real. And you, you can feel that thing pulling you in. Just like if you ever dated someone and you're falling in love with them. You can feel it sucking you. And Jesus is supposed to have the same effect on us. That's why I'm here. I don't do this because it's an easy job. I'm sucked into the love of God. And I know. when I, I can't help it. Everywhere I go, I, I can't get it out of my head that I'm surrounded by people who have no idea of the Jesus I know about. This is, this is the job of Christians. This is what we're supposed to look like. This is what we're supposed to be like. Galatians 3.27, I'm going to read it off your notes. It says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on the character of Christ like putting on new clothes. If you've been around the last year, I've had kind of a theme in this idea of putting on the clothes that Jesus has for us. And I think this is the same idea. It's like we're supposed to look like him. We're supposed to put on what he is like and what he acts like, like putting on clothes so that when people see us, they see Jesus instead of just maybe even the broken nature that we still live in. But I've experienced God's love. I don't want to leave it somewhere. I want to, I want to take it in. I want to display it to people around me. 1 Corinthians 12. Now we're going to turn to a chapter that we all know really well, probably from every wedding we've ever been to. But I want this to kind of soak into our hearts because if we want to produce the fruit God calls within us and through us, it has to come from this soil. It has to come from this place where love has just saturated who we are. We see 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, Paul's writing, and we know 1 Corinthians 13 is kind of the love chapter, but I want to start one verse... Before that. Now, Paul has been writing to the, to the Corinthians, and in the chapter 12, he's writing about the body of Christ. That's why, if you ever hear us use that language, it's why we use it. Paul writes often, and he compares the people of God, the church, to a body, and that we are all different parts, and we all have parts to play, and, you know, we can't be a part out on our own, and, and the body can't be whole if a part's missing. And it's just this language he uses, and he, he's going down about how we're supposed to be the body, and he gets down to the last verse in chapter 12, and he says this, But now, let me show you a way of life 
that is best of all. Let me show you a way of life that's best of all. And we get into 1 Corinthians 13. You know, we make these chapter breaks, but Paul, this is just a letter. This isn't a, a thought break for him. Now he's saying, I want to show you a way of life that's best of all. And he goes into chapter 13. So let's read it together. He says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Listen to this language. This is, this is hyperbolistic on purpose. He's making a point that the grandest things that you could think of that would look like success in your life you could say them all, but if you don't love, it's nothing. For us, it might be, you know, I could have a million followers on Facebook. I could, I could be a billionaire with, with houses on every continent, but if I don't have love, I have nothing. This is the language he's trying, he's trying to put in them. Listen, none of the stuff that you think you're achieving for, even the spiritual stuff, if that's what you run after first, but you don't have love, you've got nothing. Because honestly, we just, just kind of skipped by some fruit that we're going to find in other scriptures that Jesus wants in our life. He wants us to have spiritual gifts. He wants us to have faith that can move mountains. He wants us to have these kinds of things, but he's saying if you do it in a place that's not based in love, it's nothing. If I gave every, listen to this one, if I gave everything I have to the poor, Jesus literally asked people to do that, and even sacrificed my body, Jesus did do that, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Listen to this language. It's a challenge. It's this, it's this place where honestly, now we have to go back to a deeper place, and it's not just about the actions that look like love, but it's actually the motivation of why we do them. It's the place internally of why am I compelled to, to even act in a spiritual way or to look a spiritual way or to follow Jesus' ways, but if we don't do it from the basis and the foundation and the soil of love within our hearts, it's nothing. That's what Paul's saying. And then he goes on to say what, what we've often heard. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. irritable. I need help on that one. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I'm going to stop there. 1 John 4, 7, we're going to read in just a, a few minutes. But 1 John 4, 7, it starts by saying, God is love. And we understand this, this picture that at the end of the day, love isn't an attribute of God, but it literally is Him. And so when we receive Christ in our lives, when we receive Jesus in our lives, we're also receiving true love, the love that it only comes with Him. And so when I read these scriptures, 
And I know some of us have done this in practice and before, but it's right for us to put his name in the place of love. Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. He does not demand his own way. He's not irritable, and he keeps no record of being wronged. That's a hard one to swallow. He does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Jesus never gives up. He never loses faith. He's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I'm convinced that if we want to operate out of a place of love in our lives to see fruit produced in us and through us, we have to experience it from Jesus first. You can't produce something you don't know yourself. And so honestly, today, I want to end, we're going we're gonna to do a song in just a few minutes, but I want to end in a place where literally, I want you to take a minute and say, Jesus, I need to experience your love. I don't just need to know about it. I don't need a guy just reading scriptures once again that tell me what it's supposed to be like. I need to know it for myself. I need to experience it in a different way, not like every other source of love out there, but in a way that I recognize for the first time, this is what Jesus means. And maybe it's just, Jesus, I need it in a way that I haven't experienced yet, because this is the greatest part. When you come to know Jesus, there's always more. The love of him that exists for us, there's always more. And I read this because I want us to recognize we have to we have to soak in this idea of what Jesus has done for us, for us to actually work out of love in the right motivated way. You see, I could do all the same actions as a pastor. I could preach and pray and show up at people's homes in times of crisis and, and, and do all the actions that are, in a sense, required of someone in a role like this, but I could do them from a wrong motivation. Maybe it's just a place where I think, oh, I just have to do this. This is what God requires of me. And at the end of the day, when I read the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, I would realize I've gained nothing by doing that. But if somehow God has literally changed the soil of who I am as a human and the way I operate and actually all the motivations of who I am and it comes out of love, then those same actions produce a fruit that never could have been produced before. It's, it's honestly a really frustratingly intangible thing. And it's why we end up leaning into religion, which gives us a whole lot of black and white do's and don'ts, instead of this, because that's easier than trying to figure out how the heck do I experience God's love. And then the more that we've experienced damaged love in this world, it's really easy to avoid that when it comes to Jesus. Because we've been hurt, we've been, we've been abused, we've been cheated on, we've been, you know, all sorts of stuff. And so we end up putting that idea of love on Jesus and then we just avoid that as well. And it's easy for us to just become religious, active members. But I think this morning Jesus wants to break open our hearts a little bit more, break open our, our perception of him a little bit more and let that love, that, that love that really is beyond our understanding soak into us.
Because if we want to honor, even as we work up to Easter, if we want to honor what Jesus did on that cross the most and what he did on the grave the most, it's receiving the gift he has for us. You know, Heather said we grieve Jesus in a sense when we say things like, oh, you know, that promise isn't for me or, or I'm not good enough for that. And I believe it's true because Jesus has paid for every person no matter what you've done. The worst of the worst things that you could imagine, Jesus still has grace, love, acceptance, repentance, forgiveness for every one of them. For every one of us. This is the love Jesus has for us. 1 John 3.18, John writes a letter. He says, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. And I love this because he puts truth and love together. That if we want to show truth to the world, it's actually going to be from a place of love. That we're going to live differently and look differently. And that speaks a lot louder than us saying you should live differently and look differently. I want to turn to 1 John 4. I'm going to finish up here and then worship team, I think, is going to play that same song, Jesus, speak the name of Jesus. I, man, I love that song. And, you know, I want to give a little caveat to that song. You know, we can speak the name of Jesus, and it can be ineffectual if we don't apply Jesus. Jesus isn't just going to, you know, whisk down in some weird way and sweep us away from all our problems what he's asking us to do when we even sing a song this is apply who he is and what he's done to our situation it's the putting the clothes on thing again to apply what he's done for us in our life and situation i think the first thing we have to learn to apply in our lives is understanding and experiencing the love of jesus as uncomfortable as it might make you right now. As intangible as it might seem and as far away as it might feel from your situation and your place right now, I'm telling you, God wants to invade your life and show you his love. Can we stand this morning? I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and then we're going to sing. verse 9 of chapter 4 it says God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him this is real love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins dear friends since God loved us that much we surely ought to love each other no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. I'm going to stop there. I wanted to read some more of that today, but I really feel to stop there. I'll just put in another message. But His love is brought to full expression in us. I think that's a good evaluation point. Do we feel like that's true? Do we feel like God first 
that we've experienced a, a, a full expression of his love? I will just answer for you. The answer is no. For all of us. Me included. But when I read scripture and I read this, I have to believe what it says and I have to say, okay, God, I want to reach for this full expression of the love you have for me because I don't want to show the world a bad picture of you. I want to know how you feel about me. I just got to stop for a second. Ron and Karen, you guys are incredible. I know I don't know you a ton, but just during worship, I felt like Jesus was saying that, and even as I'm preaching this, this is what your life is going to look like for the world around you. I know that God's changed you and brought you from one place to another, but people are going to see, and I even think especially in you, Ron, in a way that people would not expect from you, you're going to show people the love of God in a way they can't understand. It's not going to be weird. It's not going to be complicated. But I, I, I feel like people are going to come to you guys and they're going to experience love from God in a real way. And I think, you know, I, I'm thinking of this scripture that comes to mind over to you. You know, he loves much who's been forgiven much. And I think you guys know the forgiveness of God over your life and the love that he's put over your life. And it's going to be exponential for the world around us. This is supposed to be true. That, that can be true for every one of us in this room. God wants to use whatever your story is, whatever your situation is, and he can turn it on a dime, and he can show you his love in an instant, and he can use it to, to bring hope, to bring joy to the world around us. And I think probably the biggest reason we don't experience the love of God in a full expression is because life is complicated for us so hard it's just safer to hold it at a distance and I want to pray today for everyone in this room everyone watching online maybe maybe you've been you know you've been holding God at a distance you've been holding Jesus at a distance for a long time this is my prayer let's just put our arms down today let's just let him in closer today Maybe it'll be for the first time in your life that you said, okay, I want, I want to know Jesus for the first time. It can happen in a moment, right now. You can whisper those words, Jesus, I want your grace. I want your life. I want to do it your way, not my way. I need what you paid for on the cross. And in a moment, it can begin. And for those of us, maybe we've been following Jesus, but we've just kind of been doing it like this. Let's let him in a little closer. I just want to pray for you and then we'll sing this song. Father, we ask right now that your love would flood in this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you. You listen, if you're in this room or online, I would literally ask, whisper in your own words this. Because I can invite the love of God for you, but it's better if you invite it yourself. So let's whisper our, just to ourselves right now where we're standing, where we're sitting at home. Jesus, we invite you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. God, I want to experience your love in a way I never have. Father, I ask, come in this room, come in this place, come in every situation. God, I ask for an overwhelming expression of the love of God in people's lives this morning.
God, that that love would soak down deep into every one of us. It would soak down into our soul. God, I pray it would soak down even into the most painful parts of that we've avoided in our lives, but God, that your love can transform. And Jesus, we just end on this note as we sing. God, we give you permission. Come in close and show us who you are. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.